Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. Has anyone who meant a lot to you ever died? That changes something about you, doesn't it? One thing death does is it makes you realize how temporary life is. In Genesis chapter 23, Abraham's wife Sarah dies, and Abraham shows us that he was aware that earth was not their home. Both he and Sarah were looking ahead to life beyond the grave. Abraham knew he would see his wife again in the place the Lord had prepared for them. Do you have this hope? It can be yours today as you let God speak to you. Here's Pastor Jim in part two of his message, Looking Forward to a Permanent Home. God's people are not at home on earth. This is a recurring theme we come across in the scriptures. Verse three, then Abraham stood up from before his dead and spoke to the sons of Heth, some of your versions say Hittites, saying, I am a foreigner and a visitor among you. Now he's lived there for more than 60 years. What is he saying? I'm not one of you. I'm one of Yahweh's people. I'm not a Canaanite. Give me, and the idea is sell me property. He's going to mention this three times uh, for a burial place among you that I may bury my dead out of my sight. And the sons of Heth answered Abraham saying to him, hear us, my Lord, you are a mighty prince among us. Another version says, you are a prince of God. Another version says, you are God's chosen one among us. Bury your dead in the choices of our burial places. None of us will withhold from you his burial place. None of us will say you can't use our tomb. That's what they're saying. That you may bury your dead. We want to give you a place to bury your dead. Now, on the one hand, you have to really admire the respect that these people have for Abraham, especially after living there for 60 years and being so different than the Canaanites, that says a lot about his walk with God and his ability to communicate with people who don't have a walk with God. That's something right now, Christian, we are going to have to learn and we are going to have to learn it quick. It was an adversarial relationship. And yet, he will not compromise his faith. Death is an interesting thing. Death reminds us how fast life goes, doesn't it? You hear of people dying and and you can't believe it. And I've lost a lot of people in my life. You know, I come, most of you know I come from a very large Irish Catholic family. And so I, was, I felt as a kid, my, my grandmother had like 13 brothers and sisters and wives. And all we were doing was going to wakes. Like that's what we did every weekend. And yet, interestingly enough, two years ago, the, the, the brevity of life hit me more than it ever has. I had a lot of mentors in the business world, some when I was a high school and college kid, but when I started my company, my first company at the age of 24, I I had two particular business mentors, and they were both about 15 years older than me, and two years ago, they both retired. I I never thought they would retire. Like it dawned on me like, oh my gosh, I remember them as, as young men of 40 years old taking me under their wing, and I'm like, you're retiring? You're kidding me. And I thought, man, life is going so fast. 
Now in Canaan, Abraham was a well-known rich guy. Remember back in chapter 14, he, he fought a battle and freed many of the locals, but he still says to them, I'm not one of you. I live here, but I'm not one of you. Interesting, over 60 years ago, God promised him this land and Abraham still does not own one piece of property. He doesn't own one rock. Why? Because he refused to become a Canaanite convert. He refused, after 60 years, over 60 years, he refused to give in to Canaanite culture. He was still a follower of Yahweh. While it appears the Canaanites are being very generous to him, he will not bury his wife in a Canaanite tomb. Perhaps he's thinking there's an unholiness about it. Perhaps thinking that once her body decomposes, they'll probably just use the tomb again. But Abraham says, thanks, but no thanks. I want to buy a tomb from you. I want to have my own place where we can bury our own people. The whole thing is very interesting to me. Although he has the promises of God and the rights to the promised land from God, like Jesus, he humbles himself before these guys as a man who has no rights. Another great example for us. Another great example for us. The more we fight for our rights, and I'm not saying we don't speak up, but the way we speak up matters because we're just going to alienate the mission field that God has given to us. So we have to be very, very careful. You say, that's a, that's a real tightrope. We got to walk here. You better believe it is. And Abraham has walked that tightrope for over 60 years. Let him serve as an inspiration to us. There's a woman who lives down the street from me. I don't know how old she is. I don't know. I don't even know if she lives down the street from me. But the same time I leave for church every morning, I would say she's in her 80s. She is zipping down my road, walking. And it's a cut through street. So I don't know where she lives. And I just rolled down the window and I said to her this morning, I said, you know, you're an inspiration to me to keep on move, keep on keeping on. And Abraham's an inspiration to me too to keep on keeping on in the midst of a land where you feel like a complete stranger. Their reaction to him makes me also think that Abraham was also known as a fair and honest businessman. But notice this business deal comes to him. Hey, it's free. And Abraham says, no, I, I can't do this one. Those of you who are out in the business world, I, I can say this as the business world pastor, you have to learn how to adapt doing business with the world. I became a follower of Jesus five years after I owned my own company. <laughs> what an adaptation that was. Remember, there was a guy that I was, I was paying off to get business from him. And so I, I was, he was in New York City, and I went to meet him in a bar. That's where he hung out during uh, lunchtime, liquid lunch. And so 
I went over to him and, and his bar, and he was faced this way, and I tapped him on the back, and I said, hey, I just want to let you know that I can't pay you off anymore uh, for the job. And he says, why? And he said, I said, I'm a Christian now, uh, but I'll still give you good service. And he looks at, looks at me and toasts me and says, have a nice life, and turns around and keeps drinking. <laughs> and I had just bought a brand new truck. I was like, oh, no. Yeah, there's going to have to be adjustments. There's going to be times when we're going to have to just say to certain people in business dealings as followers of Jesus, no, I'm sorry, I can't do that deal. Followers of Jesus are simply guests. Remember, we learned in 1 Peter that we are pilgrims. Pilgrims are what? They are not people that are home. They are people that are on their way home. We are just passing through, and death reminds us of that. I think lately in the United States here, our passing through status has been, become a lot more obvious than it used to be. Do you see how fast this is happening? If you don't know how fast this is happening, it is happening so fast. Several churches say something that, that online that people don't like, and they're losing their platforms. So it's, it's a very interesting situation. And I'm a total free speech guy. I, listen, I think as long as you're not inciting violence, you can say the craziest things you want about me. It's fine. It's fine. Maybe now, finally, we can stop talking about the persecuted church, and maybe now some of us are going to be experiencing it. Yet these things, these ups and downs of life, help committed followers of Jesus Christ to see the world differently. And maybe it's going to help some of us to let go of this earth and not to hold on to it as tightly as we had before. I'm not saying, especially you young people, I am not saying you cannot, you cannot have goals and ambitions. Goals and ambitions are good things. I am not saying to any of us we can't feel pain but I am saying that we are to be people that have a very different perspective on life and on this earth. And perhaps the greatest thing I could impart to you today is that death is no obstacle to God keeping his promises to you. Number three, God's people have the promise of a permanent home. God's people have the promise, promise of a permanent home. Verse 7, Then Abraham stood up and bowed himself to the people of the land, the sons of Heth, or the, some of your versions say the Hittites. And he spoke with them, saying, If it is your wish that I bury my dead out of my sight, hear me and meet with, or ask, or some versions say intercede with, Ephron, the son of Zophar, for me. I want you to go talk to this guy for me. That he may give me, and I think the idea is sell, the cave of Machpelah, which, ha, which he has, or which he owns, which is at the end of his field. Let him give it to me. Once again, I think he's saying, sell it to me. At the full price, you say, why, when he's saying give, I, because he's saying, I want, it, I want it given to me or sold to me at the full price as property for a burial place among you. What does he really want it for? He wants it for an inheritance for those who 
pass away after him and Sarah. So Sarah is gone, but Abraham has to move on. That, that is not easy. But he does move on with faith and hope that one day the whole promised land will belong to the people of God as God said. So what is Abraham doing? He's investing. He's investing in land. He's buying a small piece of property. He's buying the future. It's like we say that, that when we invest in the kingdom of God, what do we do? When we give money to God's work, we are sending our money ahead. We are investing in the kingdom of God. We are investing in the kingdom of heaven. They essentially mean the same thing. We could say that right at this moment, the possession of the promised land is beginning as the Lord through Abraham is putting a down payment on the future. The Lord said to Abraham, Genesis 17, 8, he said, also I give to you a land and your descendants after you, the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan. So this is the first piece of that happening. An everlasting possession and I will be their God. Now let's notice Abraham's humility and his wisdom. He offers Full price. There's no entitlement. There's no, hey, remember I rescued you people? Remember back in chapter 14? I I deserve a good price. None of that. He doesn't expect a low price. He says, I want to pay full price. Why? I don't know. The best I can come up with is I think he doesn't want anybody coming back questioning the legitimacy of the deal after he's dead. Oh, he ripped that guy off. That wasn't fair. They gave it to him. It really wasn't anything long-term. It was more like a lease than a purchase, I guess, whatever it is. I think it's also interesting that he didn't want to leave future generations with a problem or maybe a large bill. Hmm. All the young people are saying, yeah, don't be looking at us, Pastor Jim. Look at the old people on that one. Abraham's not cocky. He says he gets others to go talk to the landowner. That's why we go to God in Jesus' name. We don't go in anybody else's. One mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. We go in Jesus' name. You know, when you, sometimes you'll, you'll say, a friend will say to you, uh, you know, oh, do you know anybody who does this? And say, you'll, they'll say to you, yeah, go there, tell them you know me. So they would, what would they do? They would go to this guy and they'd say, hey, listen, man, we know this good guy, Abraham. Did you ever hear of him? Oh, you've heard of Abraham? Yeah, listen, he's a good guy. He's good to do business with. You, you know, do some business with him. He's a good guy. He's not going to rip you off. Just hear him out. So the two men meet, verse 10. Now, Ephron, some of you want to say Ephron. I always laugh when I read this. There's two reasons why I read this. I'll give you the first one now. If I remember the second one later, I'll tell you. Um, It always reminds me of Zac Ephron. How many know who Zac Ephron is? Yeah, some of you know who Zac Ephron is. Um, By the way, this is a sad day for me. This is normally a party day in our church. How many of you knew that? This is the 16th anniversary of our church. Yeah, so normally I have a party. No party today. Sorry. 
Actually, that's not true. It's my grandson's birthday party this afternoon, so I will be partying. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, 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 but anyway, 15 years ago, when we started, really got the church going, our youth group was pretty much bigger than our church. <laughs> and I, I was a youth leader for many years, and people say, well, how did you grow the youth group bigger than the church? I basically grew it on, on if you know who Zac Efron is, he was the star of High School Musical. I basically built it on the Bible and High School Musical illustrations that little girls liked. <laughs> so, and so I always used to joke about that, and, and, and when they would not pay attention, I would say something completely wrong about it, and all the kids would freak out. Um, so anyway, that, don't count that against my time. Um, so now Ephron dwelt among the sons of Heth, and Ephron the Hittite answered Abraham in the presence of the sons of Heth, all who answered at the gate of his city, saying, uh, No, my Lord, hear me. I give you the field and the cave that is in it. I give it to you in the presence of the sons of my people. I give it to you. Bury your dead. So three times he says, I will give, it, give you the cave and the field. Now, if it's give, it's probably future favors or you know, good relationships with other people, but it's probably a sale in some sense. Verse 12, then Abraham bowed himself down before the people of the land and he spoke to Ephron in the hearing of the people of the land saying, if you will give it, please hear me or you know, please listen, I'm insisting on this. I will give you money for the field, take it from me, take the money from me and I will bury my dead there. So what is he doing? He is purchasing a plot of land now and a cave. Apparently, Ephron says, uh, he says I'll, I'll, if you're going to get the cave, you got to take the land too. So he's going to get a plot of land and a cave to bury the patriarchs in. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. That's where they're going to be buried. Even Joseph's going to want to come back from Egypt, and he's going to want to be buried there. Why is Abraham doing this? Because he believes that the promised land will belong to the people of God. Let me say it once again. Death will not stop. Death will not hinder the promises of God. Many of the promises that you and I have, we will see in this life, but many of the promises that you and I have, we will not see until the next life. Now, Let's watch, and here's my second thing. Remember I told you I had business mentors that retired. Those were my, after I started my business mentors. When I was a, a high school kid and, a, uh, and in college, I worked a lot. I grew up in Long Island, and I worked a lot for Jewish businessmen, and they were served, because a lot of them knew that I had the entrepreneurial bug, uh, they served as tremendous mentors to me. Tremendous, tremendous. In, in fact, when I'm up doing pastor negotiations, I have to forget all the business negotiating skills I learned because they're just, they really taught me so well, and I'm so grateful to them. And, and you know, if you don't know a lot of, when they got exiled, they'll, if you talk to them, they'll tell you, we got exiled uh, down to Babylon from when Nebuchadnezzar took over uh, Israel and we weren't allowed to own land. So we ceased being farmers and we became businessmen. And that's how the history of our people became such good businessmen. It's thoroughly interesting to talk to someone who knows this stuff. Maybe it doesn't interest you. I'm a geek. It interests me. So, so here we see these two skilled businessmen going at it. And when you, if, you, if you've ever witnessed that before, it's really good because of the subtleties 
are so good. So, um, so here we see two serious businessmen going, rolling up their sleeves, going to work. Abraham wants it so badly, and, and Ephron smells blood in the water. It says, verse 14, and Ephron answered Abraham, saying to him, and when I, when I talk about these business mentors, I tell you, I have nothing but respect for those guys. Man, to take a young kid under their arms with no return is, you know, I find that about a lot of successful people. If you, you young people, listen to this. If you seem willing and serious, successful people will often want to help you. If you don't seem serious, they won't even want to tell you what time it is. So when Ephron answered Abraham, saying to him, my Lord, listen to me, the land is worth 400 shekels of silver. What is that between you and me? So bury your dead. Hey, we're both rich guys, 400 shekels. That's nothing. And Abraham insisted, listened to Ephron, and Abraham weighed out the silver for Ephron, which he had named, the price that he asked, in the hearing of the sons of Heth, 400 shekels of silver, currency of the merchants. <laughs> this price is crazy high. He's totally ripping them off. But notice how he mentions the price, but doesn't ask for the price. Oh, it's worth about 400 shekels, you know, whatever. And he's expecting Abraham to come back. See, that's business skill. He doesn't say take it or leave it. He just kind of casually mentions it. That's more than 100 pounds of silver. I did quick math in my head, so I might be wrong on this, but based on Friday's price of silver, uh, that's about $20,000. What do you think $20,000 would be worth today? Now, King David only paid 50 shekels, one-eighth of that for the temple site. But to Abraham, what's that cave worth? You know how the commercial goes, right? Priceless. Priceless. Ephron is shrewd, but so is Abraham. Instead of haggling and risking the deal, it's not a lot of money to Abraham. It's, he's way overpaying, but not a lot of money. instead of risking losing the deal, he says, okay. Ephron probably went like that. Well, okay. And what does he do? He seals the deal in front of witnesses. Very, very wise. You see, by doing it in front of witnesses in the future, there would never be any doubt where that cave was that belonged to Abraham and who that cave belonged to. You see, he fights shrewdness with shrewdness. Verse 17 so the field of Ephron, which was in Machpelah, which was before Mamre, the field and the cave, which was in it, all the trees that were in the field, which were within all the surrounding borders, were deeded to Abraham as a possession. Now God's people have a piece of land in the promised land. He owns it. In the presence of the sons of Heth, witnesses, before all who went into the gate of his city, you know, I don't know, but maybe some of this dealing and, and, the, and the high price compared to the low price that a, uh, uh, David paid for prime real estate, I don't know, but maybe it's a picture for the Israelites and for us. 
that oftentimes obtaining the promises of God is very costly. Financially costly, yes. But in other ways, costly as well. That, that, that being a follower of Jesus is going to cost you time. It's going to cost you not doing things perhaps the easy way, but having a life of integrity. It's going to call you to a life of a certain type of morality and obeying the Lord. It's going to call you and I to sometimes doing ways, things of, in ways that's not the easy way. That's a more difficult way, but it's the right way. I mean, look at what Abraham is doing. I don't know about you, but I think at this point in time, being this rich, it would have been just easier to go home. Go back to Haran. Go back to where your people are. But what is Abraham doing? He's willing to lay down his life for future generations. Thank you for spending the last half hour with Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love is designed to help you deepen your relationship with Christ no matter where you are in your journey. Teaming with Changed by Love financially makes it possible to reach thousands, many more than you and I could reach on our own. We are stronger together than we could ever be apart. Please consider a generous gift today. Give safely and securely online at changedbyloveradio.org. You'll find our address there, too, if you'd rather send a check. You can always reach us by phone at 862-217-9686. It takes a team to encourage thousands. You and Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney. changedbyloveradio.org.